Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of commercial-free five-yard rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Phones to silent, doors to cross-check, hold on to your hats. This is 5 Yard Rush, your fantasy football podcast, with your hosts, Stocks, Sparky, Murph and Nick. Hey, hey, what's going on, Russian Nation? Oh, it's good to be back in the studio. I was on holiday, I was supposed to lock in, I didn't. Big man looked after it, stepped up to the plate, hit homers, we got the dub. Speaking of the big man, he's in the studio with me. Murph, how you doing? Ah, oh, mate, I'll tell you what, really good. I missed you. But it's good to have you back. It's good to be back in the studio. Last couple of weeks have been remote, which is fine and it's fun, but it's not uh, not complete. But speaking of fun, we've got a banner guest today who uh, I've been listening to for quite a while, and this is a real a real treat for us. Yeah, no doubt. So should we, let's mention the listener league quickly. We've got our listener leagues open on Sleeper at the moment. If you are interested in joining one of the four leagues, there's a standard half point, four point and IDP. If you want in on any of those, just DM us on any of the socials with the caption Fantasy Domination and which league you would like. And we'll send you the little link and you can slide right on in. Yeah, we're about 40% subscribed um, and one of the leagues is nearly full, which is the full point. So 
by the time you listen to this, that might have gone. It might still be open. Has there Josh, might be another chance. Has Josh joined? No, he okay, has so not. Josh, drink. If you uh, pull your finger out, mate, decide what league you want. And just because you're my brother-in-law doesn't mean you get automatic. I know you've said fantasy domination, but you need to tell me which league you want into because otherwise I can't help you. Nope, that's right. Um, and then once it goes out to Rush Nation as a whole, you'll miss out. So get in, bro. Right. So everyone knows we get Murph on the streets here. Murph brings his stats. If if you, you're into five-yard rush and you know Murph does our numbers, our analytics, he does basically anything with a number in it, Murph does. I get a little bit lost sometimes. Now, today's guest takes numbers and all that business to a whole new level. And uh, I have an admission, but I will tell you after who it is. Today's guest, he is the uh, editor-in-chief at Number Fire and host of the Late Round podcast. It's JJ Zacharyson. JJ, thanks for coming to Five Yard Rush. How are you doing, man? I'm great. I'm great. I'm very impressed that you could pronounce my last name correctly as well. But it does help I listened to your episode with Graham Barfield <laughs> earlier today, so just a little, a little prompt. But um, yeah, so JJ, I do have to admit that when Murph pointed me in the direction of your podcast, it took me a few episodes to... I didn't give up because that would be, you know, giving ups for, for sissies, but it took, me a, it took me a long time to... I wouldn't even say I'm there, to get into... You know, not the way you talk, but the the uh, how do how do I say this? I, I didn't really understand what you were saying for a while, yeah. just because of how in depth you go into you know into the models and the way you create your own models for various stats and stuff. So it took me a long time to get into it, and it is it's crazy deep. So uh, <laughs> kudos to you for. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. Oh, well, no, I appreciate you putting it out there so people who don't smash analytics as Murph does can you know start to learn. I guess in the deep end, I mean, if you don't jump in the deep end, you're never going to learn to swim, right? I suppose we'll start off with how you got into football and talking about fantasy football for a living. Yeah, so uh, I got in, uh, you know, like a lot of people, um, I was just not really getting a whole lot out of my day job. I was working at uh, an ad agency um, and I just, I <clears throat> what I was doing and the work I was doing wasn't very inspiring. So, you know, I kind of took a step back and said, what do I really want to focus my career on? Something that I'm going to be doing for the next 50 plus years. Um, and I, I just sort of combined a, a passion, uh, honestly, two passions, my passion to, to get out of what I was doing, um, <laughs> but also also my passion for, for fantasy football. And I hadn't done any writing. I, I, I did nothing at the time uh, from, from a publishing standpoint. Um, but I just decided to start um, writing an ebook uh, because at the time, this is back in 2011, at the time, uh, quarterbacks were being taken pretty early in fantasy drafts. So if you look back at 2012 ADP, uh, five quarterbacks in redraft leagues were being drafted in the first two rounds, uh, which is kind of hard to believe in today's you know uh, fantasy football world. Um, so I wrote this ebook called "The Late Round Quarterback" based on the strategy that I've always used, um, and sort of you know wanted to publish this thing um, in alignment with basically everything that. Every basically it being against everything that was being published at that time. Uh, so I published the late round quarterback in uh, 2012. And then from there, got some opportunity to do stuff for Roto World, uh, wrote for PFF for a little bit. And then eventually, um, about a year later, so Number Fire came calling. And that's kind of where I've been ever since. That's just awesome. And I love the fact that you just did it from a self-published ebook um, as opposed to, you know, just assuming that you were going to get paid for this you just put it out there and it just happened i think that's it's such a big risk but um such a high reward so congratulations for that thank you thank you yeah i appreciate that is, is the book still around i i funny enough i found i tried to find a download and i managed to get 
one that got about four or five sort of intro pages, but couldn't seem to get anything beyond that. Yeah, it might not be anymore, mostly because like I'm it's one of those things where like things and I'm sure that you guys feel this even about like early podcasts that you've done and stuff. It's like, what, what was I thinking? What was I saying? Why did we put this out the way that we put this out? Like there's there, there, are, there are so many things that I did in that ebook that I don't even necessarily believe in now and, and wrote about. Um, so it's just, it's just outdated. You know, a lot of things change within our landscape. And really, you know, since I started within this industry and doing stuff in the industry to now, um, it's, it looks completely different. The landscape is completely different. Whether you're talking about the analysis that's being done, the analysts who are doing that analysis, it's just a lot different than when I, when I started. And, and with that, you know, ideas are changing and the way that I feel about certain topics change. Yeah, I guess it's the evolution of uh, of education, and the game's completely different. If you think about when that book came out, no yeah. one would have, no one would have taken a, a running back in the first round. It just wasn't really happening. It, you know, running backs were going in later later rounds. I'm you very rarely get one in the second round back then, let alone maybe the first. But yeah, now the game is if you're not going RB RB in most cases, then especially early on, then you know you're gonna you're gonna miss out. So it's just amazing how the game continues to evolve and change in tight ends. I mean you never thought about drafting a tight end in the first like eight, nine rounds. Right, right. <laughs> then, and then all of a sudden you get your Gronks and your Ertzes and people are talking about second round, third round. But we can we can get into some of that in a bit. Um I'm I'm fascinated to know who, who you uh, who you support on a Sunday, uh who who's chosen <laughs> you wearing and 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 how'd you come about supporting them yeah uh so i'm born and raised pittsburgh i, I don't live there anymore i live in charlotte north carolina now uh but i was in pittsburgh through college i went to the university of pittsburgh so i was there till i was 22 um so i'm a steelers fan uh you, it's kind of impossible to not be if you're born in that city um but I'm, I'm also hashtag blessed to be to be born in that city you know having a a team where i've been alive for for uh two super bowl victories you know i, I had uh, the, the Super Bowl appearance back in the 95, 96 season. And then obviously the one where they lost to the Packers as well. I mean, it's a successful franchise. So it's, it's, it's an easy team to root for, for the most part. Um, but at the same time, I think, you know, as lame as this sounds, I, I feel like my fandom has, has not been the same since doing this as my job. Now, when it comes to like hockey, I love the Penguins. I'm a big, big Penguins fan. I can be an, an obnoxious fan when it comes to that sport. Um, <laughs> but with football, I'm just a little bit more objective because I feel like I have to be. Um, and it's just, it's just come naturally. Like I, I can respect and like what the Browns are doing now, despite the fact that they're a rival to the Steelers. Um, that's just a, you know, just as an example. So I still love the Steelers. They are my team. They're who I root for every Sunday. Um, but I'm not depressed out of my mind if they end up losing a game. Yeah, no, I feel you. I was a Broncos fan before starting the podcast. And since doing the podcast, I'm pretty much now just a fan of the game. I still exactly. class I still class myself as, you know, Orange County. But why are you shaking your head, man? Because I, I, I'm sorry, I can't subscribe to that mentality. No, but you, you, <laughs> you, you lived in Florida. You, you were more involved with it, whereas I was just a very much outskirts fan. So listen, yeah. I, you know. Football's for everyone. Don't hate on me, man. I, I don't hate. I'm just saying that for me, you, you have one team, one passion. Well, if I, rivalries exist. You can't. I can't go around and actively be supporting Saints and Falcons. Well, and no, no, Panthers. no. Wait, wait. No, I'm not saying I actively support everybody. I'm just saying I like everyone a little bit more now doing the podcast. Yeah, I, I, I get that. Oh man, we've derailed already. JJ, how much do you look like your avatar on your podcast picture? Uh, um, I, I don't know. Some people have said it's good. Some basically, uh, if you think the avatar looks a little bit like Joe Flacco in a way, then it probably looks like me because everyone always says that I look like Joe Flacco. Hey, well, now uh, we can be friends because he's a Bronco. 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. He is a Bronco. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think I think it's like a decent cartoon character of of me. Um, you know, it's not bad considering it's two dimensional and there's like three colors in it. Yeah, no, that's fair. I just you know when you ever listen to something and you have a picture of what somebody looks like in their head. Um, yeah, yeah. You're, yeah. you're currently a cartoon character talking, so I don't know yeah. if I want to change that and actually Google what you look like. <laughs> yeah, you can you can you can keep that. It's probably probably better looking than what I actually look like. <laughs> So, Jay, what advice would you give to our listeners who uh, want to talk or write um, about their passion, whether that's football or soccer or whatever it is that they want to for for a living? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I, I think it comes down to to two pretty basic notions. The first is just to to write good content. I know that it, and just produce good content. I know that that's that's sort of a, a lame answer. It, it's not very detailed, but it's it's true. You know, I think. You know, I've seen a lot of of writing samples come my way with people who want to write for Number Fire and and sort of get started. And the, the folks who send me articles uh, that are just their their rankings list or something where there's not much substance, um, you know, I don't know what the expectation really is from that person just because you know there, there's not there's not much there. You know, anyone can put together a rank. My my seven year old niece can put together a rankings list, right? Um, there just needs to be that substance. There needs to be that. That, that solid content. But at the same time, I think it's really important if you're starting out to find a way to differentiate yourself in some way. Um, you know, obviously it becomes harder and harder as an industry matures and, and gets older. Uh, so back in 2011, when I wrote the ebook, the late round quarterback, you know, not many people were putting together ebooks and not many people were even talking about the late round quarterback strategy or at least packaging it up and marketing it, you know, in that way. Um, but you, you see people evolve and, and come up with these crazy, awesome ideas all the time, whether it's air yards with Josh Hermsmeyer, or whether it's reception perception with Matt Harmon or yards created with, with Graham Barfield. People are coming up with these ideas that really showcase what they're all about. And then you can take that and just kind of expand it once people sort of are locked in and understand what, what you do uh, and, and how good you are as an analyst. So I think the two big things are just producing good content, um, but then making sure that that content is differentiated in some way. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with that. I think it's uh, it's amazing. I think this is an amazing time to be a fantasy football fan, to be a football fan. I think the game is always evolving and with the use of numbers and analytics, it's just so much more exciting and um, there's so many different storylines that go on that, that the narratives change and the, the numbers really shape the way that we view things now to help us understand the things that we couldn't understand. So. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's amazing, and you're. I mean, it's a crowded space, but hey, that you just just go out there and do it. It's, you know, we started from nothing, and right. everyone starts from nothing. Take your shot, and you know, as long as you're happy with what you get and what you put into it, you you can never lose. That's right. Uh, I've got a couple of things before we move on. I didn't put these on the show sheet. I wanted to surprise you a little bit, but I've listened right. to a lot of your podcasts, listened to you guest appearance on podcasts, and um, you have never been to Europe, and you microwave tea. Um, Wait, what? Hold up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I will say, I will say, I have a tea kettle now, you guys. I, I am, I am, I have graduated from the microwaving tea. I'm actually drinking tea right now from a kettle and it, it does, you guys win. It tastes a lot better. It's, it's a lot better. That's good. I was going to say we had to straighten that one out, but I'm glad you, <laughs> you've evolved. The, yeah, because the last time I heard you when you were talking about this, you were like, yeah, you've, you microwave tea. And I was like, this doesn't work. Like, <laughs> you've got to sort that out. If we had to get you a cup, but you've got one, that's, that's good. I, I, yes. 
Sorry, JJ, you're going to have to run me through this microwaving tea process. I'm not parlayed to this. <laughs> it's, it, was, it, was a, it was a horrible idea looking back. Uh, I did it for like two years because I gave up coffee just for like sort of health reasons. You know, it's just like a, it's it, my stomach and like reflux and stuff like that. So I, I went to tea because it's a little bit lighter and, and easier for you to, to digest and eat and drink rather. Uh, and so I went to tea and instead of like like making tea a normal way, I would literally put tea bags in a in a mug, fill it up with water, and stick it in the microwave for two minutes. That was that was my process, and it was a bad process. I've I've realized my mistake. I was wrong, and I've I've tried to move on from it. That's cool. We fixed that. So how do we <laughs> how do we fix you coming to coming to Europe? Um, how I mean, you you got to get over here at some point, whether it's for NFL games or you know we do baseball over here now. Uh, the yeah. MLB's coming from in the summer next month yeah. actually or you know there's premier league there's all sorts i mean how, how do we how do we make that work i know i would love to i would love to see to see a, a soccer game like i'm not a big soccer sorry fo- football do you guys by the way are you is this like an american football podcast is that like the the angle or do you guys are you guys cool with with the soccer lingo we're global, man. We have listeners literally all over the world, and when we talk about football, it is the pigskin. Good, good. Okay, so we can, so I can, I can say the word soccer, and it's okay on the show. Yeah, it's fine. We won't chew you out too much. Yeah. <laughs> I want to, I want to see a soccer game. I saw like like Paris Saint Germain was in in Charlotte uh, once when they were doing like a travel thing, and that was fun. It was like a cool experience, but it wasn't like I'm at a real soccer. I mean, it was at uh, Bank of America Stadium where where the Panthers play. Um, but it wasn't like packed or anything like that. I, I would love to experience a, a soccer game like that, even though I'm not a huge, huge soccer fan or anything. Um, so that would be a reason to, to go over. I just, I just haven't had, I, I, it's weird too. Like I've been to Asia and I haven't been to, I went to South Korea once and I haven't been to, to Europe. I don't really know how that happened, but it's a little bit more difficult now because I have a 10 month old here at home. Oh yeah, well yeah, that that would make it tougher. But when the the little the little ones are a bit a bit older, uh, yes. I can sort you out coming to a, an FPL game. I'm an Arsenal season ticket holder. Which oh, nice. If you don't know uh, is owned by Stan Kroenke. Yes, yes, that that uh that would be amazing. So it's a good stadium. We can I can definitely get you tickets um and and get you along and we'll make that work and you can support them because they're you know owned by an american nfl team owner so yeah nice little correlation there to make it work um they got a big game tomorrow where they're playing chelsea in azerbaijan which i would love to be there but it's like three days travel it's three days travel it's about 1500 pounds um Ooh, and you have to get on a camel and you have to get yeah visas and it just it doesn't work it's a massive farce um, yeah we'll, we'll yeah. save that for another podcast <laughs> We've massively segued away from all sorts of American this. <laughs> That's my fault. I'm sorry. I just had to bring those up. No, mate. No, to be fair, anybody who makes tea in a microwave needs a lesson. So I'm glad we got it's that. True. That's well, true. That's true. That's true. I deserve it. <laughs> JJ, let's talk some fantasy. How was your 2019 season? Did you win any leagues? How many leagues were you in? Yeah. So last year was fine. Um, I'd say it was a pretty average year overall for me. Um, I, I play in about, I mean, I have a handful of dynasty leagues that I play in, um, but I redraft wise, I try to do between like 15 and 20 a year uh, in, in ones that I manage. So I uh, did a pretty, pretty decent job last year. I'd say overall was average uh, year before that I think was worse. And then the year before that was unreal. So I, I think that the, it was just kind of regression and everything's now just like evened out. Um, but I'm hoping, hoping that 2019 is a, is a nice profitable one. Don't blame you. If uh, if you're not in it to win it, don't bother. How about that? 
Well, I'm not saying to JJ don't bother, but I'm just saying, you know, we always preach that you should be in it to win it. Like, don't play, don't don't tank or anything like that. No, no, no. You always want to be in it for a winning record, so always try and improve on last year. That's right. That's I wasn't digging JJ out. I promise. So what, what do you think is likely to change for the 2019 season? Are there going to be any pivots in your strategy that our listeners you know, could get a little hype on? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, one thing we might see uh, is some sort of rebound at the tight end position. Now, I think that you can easily make a case, and, and I'm, a, I'm a late round tight end drafter typically, um, but I think that you can make a case for Travis Kelsey early. Uh, that's just what projections say. I'm not much of a value-based drafting uh, person, uh, but at the same time, you know that if, if you want to go with that approach, it's very clear that Travis Kelsey, from a projection standpoint, looks really good against the rest of his position. I can understand Travis Kelsey in the in the early second round, let's say, um, but I think that there's a chance that we'll see an overall bounce back at the tight end position, which would then devalue Kelsey slightly if the rest of the position is better. Um, you get you have lo- lots and lots of young talent at the position. Um, and last year, they scored fewer than 23% of all the receiving touchdowns across the league. And that was the lowest that we've seen basically over the last decade. Um, so just simple touchdown regression that should bounce back at least a little bit. Um, and if that bounces back a little bit, then a lot of those mid-range, you know, lower end tight end ones uh, will benefit in some way. So I think that that's, that's one, uh, one perspective that I have at least at the position uh, heading into 2019. Oh, that's fair. I'm but, pretty happy with that analysis personally. Yeah. Murph and I had a tight end debate episode in which we basically debated whether you should take a tight end early or not. And we, we split the difference on it. Murph was one side of the fence and I was the other. Um, and yeah. you basically just validated both points. I, I did. I, I'm sorry. I gave like the political. I, I, so I would say I, to, if, if, I, if I were to be, ha, make a stronger point to that, I'm not someone who would buy into a, a kill, Kittle or an Ertz early. Um, I think that Kelsey is is sort of a, a rare exception just given the situation that he's in you know the Tyreek Hill uh potential I mean him not even playing next season um and then obviously the quarterback but but the 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 Travis Kelsey from a projection standpoint just looks un like I've never projected a tight end like this in my life uh and so that just separates him to me he's in his own tier he's not even with a George Kittle or Zach Ertz um and I worry about Ertz a little bit because he's Zach, Zach Ertz specifically is someone who's sort of target share dependent um, and, tar- and, and volume dependent. Uh, he's sort of like, a, like, think of like Jason Witten back in the day when Witten was a very consistent top tier tight end. Um, and my fear is that if that goes away with more competition, you know, obviously of Dallas Goddard, they drafted J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, maybe they go with a slightly more run-heavy approach. I mean, there are reasons why you, you, could, you could be worried or scared off of Zach Ertz. That's the main reason I would be off of him. I love George Kittle. I have a ton of George Kittle in Dynasty. Um, but it's, for me, it's really, uh, you know, I, I do worry about the regression from the yards after the catch standpoint. Um, so that, that, that really just narrows things down for me to either going Kelsey or just waiting and, and getting someone in the later round. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, I, I think I probably slightly lost out in this argument then, but I own Kelsey in our main <laughs> Dynasty League. So... I'm not hugely bothered by losing out on this to switch. I, th- I, I, I'm just with you all the way. I just, I've always, same as you, always been a late round tight end. I've even had a couple of years where I didn't even bother drafting one and just pick one up on waivers, yeah. um, because it, it doesn't, it's never really moved the needle. Um, you're right about um, Kelsey. He is someone who could be a game changer at the position, but I think if you can. You know, for me, I'm, I've been looking at drafts and being able to pick up OJ Howard in like 
round seven, round right. eight, round nine, and thinking, do you know what? If I can snag OJ Howard in, in that range, all day long I'm subscribing. I'm willing to pass on Kelsey um, right. to get OJ Howard in that range. Um, because, yes, okay, you're, I'm going to get a dip, but I'll make that up in a running back or wide receiver one that I can potentially get in exchange for for Kelsey. So um, that, for me, has always been what I'm thinking and it's still been how I've drafted. So I love that. I mean, listen, we've done what, 10, I don't even know how many dynasty startups we've done this year now. And Titans have gone way too early for us uh, drafting together. Murph. So I see the value in taking other players apart from the top tight ends. And I don't think we actually, we might own Kelsey in one of the 10, 12 leagues we've done. Yeah. But otherwise we've, we've taken value position elsewhere. And I think that's going to pay off. So I, I think I'm sliding down the, the tree now. In fact, I've probably just hit the ground and I'll leave this one to die on its own. <laughs> JJ, what's your favorite format for fantasy football? Yeah, I mean, any format that gets people to draft in a non-traditional way uh, is a good format. You know, if, if so Superflex is, is really a go-to for me um, just because you'll, you'll get people who, you know, you, you, you have more openness to different strategies. So some folks might get really excited and, and, and really want some of those early round quarterbacks. And that's great. Uh, that, that allows for more strategy to be had. Whereas the traditional one quarterback league nowadays, you're basically just pounding running back and wide receiver until the eighth, ninth, 10th rounds, like literally every team. Um, and so, uh, you know, there's, there's just not, it's not as, as entertaining and not as fun. I, I really like, for instance, the Scott Fishbowl, um, he usually has scoring uh, rules where uh, every position you can make the case for literally any of them at a certain pick that you have in the early rounds. And I think that's, that's really the type of league that, that people should be buying into and, and wanting to, to be a part of uh, because there's just a lot of different strategy that, that, that is pushed forth um, and, and it makes for a lot better competition. Yeah, we did. We've done two fun leagues this year with just a few of our like, friends we know. We've done one where there's no bench, so you just pick your starters. Um, so when it comes to the studs by weeks, are people just going to take a zero in that position or are they going to drop them? Um, so that could be. And so Murph and I went with drafting players all from the same bye week, as many as we could, so that we just tank one week as opposed to have to drop players and stuff like that. And then in our second one, we did a defense league where IDP players were basically the same value as running back twos and wide receivers projections. So how early did you take your first IDP as opposed to filling up with offensive players like normal IDP and then just mm-hmm. so that that was quite good fun as well because. I thought you were going to talk about the wide receiver only league. No, they, but I wasn't involved in that because I was driving. So <laughs> we won't get down that road. Okay. So with your strategy, JJ and fantasy football, how, how do you work out your strategy going into the season? Does it change much or does it, does it have a baseline? Yeah. I mean, you know, generally uh, I, I would say that it doesn't change drastically year over year. You know, I'm going to be drafting wide outs and running backs early and I'll be getting tight ends and quarterbacks late. That's generally how it goes because things aren't going to drastically change in fantasy football year over year. I think one big mistake that people make is, is really basing uh, these big decisions, early round decisions off of one year of data, right? Whether it's uh, a, a particular player and how he performed, but I'm, I'm even looking at a, a higher level and looking at what happened across the league. Um, so you can go back to that like 2015 season, I think it was, uh, when Devontae Freeman was the RB1 and running backs were just atrocious. And then you, you can see in ADP, the changes aren't immensely different, but there are changes where you see running backs not being drafted nearly as high. And then the next season, running backs perform a lot better and there were reasons for it. 
but running backs perform a lot better. And then the following season after that, you see running backs being drafted higher. I think that if you can have a process where your, your, your mindset isn't changing that dramatically um, as, as the consensus sometimes does, that's where you can find some edges and, and really win from a strategy perspective. No, I, I, I agree. I think um, it's, it's always good to have a baseline the way you want to go. And I try to follow that. And obviously, if a situation comes up in the draft to be fluid where there's just too much value, then mm-hmm. obviously you're willing to throw that out. Um, for example, if Patrick Mahomes becomes available in the sixth round, that's something to consider because you're like, okay, at this stage, the advantage he might give me over someone else. Obviously, that's never going to happen, but you never know. <laughs> um, and that might be worth your consideration. Uh, that, that's a good question to ask, Mr. Late Round QB. At what round would you consider taking Mahomes, JJ? Oh, that is a good question. Um, I think that I can I could be okay with it in that like fifth to sixth round range, which is never probably going to happen from for me. Um, I, I, I you know that that's assuming the Tyreek Hill isn't really playing. Maybe maybe you bump that up a little bit if Tyreek Hill were to be active. Um, but you know we've seen uh, back in the day whenever I would get that question, it was usually like the fourth round where I would take like the QB one in that particular draft. But the reason you can push that back even further and further is number one, you don't want to be the first person to draft a quarterback necessarily in your league because if everyone else waits, then all of a sudden you just devalued that position and you don't have the hindsight to be able to say, oh man, I drafted this guy too early. Um, so that's that's one reason. But also the position's just gotten so deep that there's really not a lot of reason to to get a guy in that that early round range, even looking at the third or the fourth whenever you can get Jameis Winston types in like the 13th in, in a lot of drafts. I mean, I'm in an, in an expert draft right now where Drew Brees is still available in the 14th and the 15th round. It's like, why, why go for a guy like Mahomes? Not only that, but there's also a lot of turnover at quarterback uh, year over year. I know that everyone just assumes that guys like Aaron Rodgers will always be at the top of the quarterback list at the end of the season. But that's not really true. Uh, from an ADP to final season results standpoint, uh, quarterbacks actually have one of the worst correlations between how we view them preseason and postseason than any other position. So uh, that's to say that even though we think Patrick Mahomes would be the QB one, he's likely not to be the QB one. Um, and and we've seen that the last couple of years too, where Mahomes was a late round quarterback pick last year. You know, Matt Ryan a few years ago, Cam Newton. Um, we see that all the time. So it's just another reason to not not get that quarterback early. 100%. You take last year, last year's one, two, three in most scoring leagues was Mahomes, Ryan, Ben Roethlisberger. Who was picking those guys up before the 10th, 11th, 12th right. round last year? Like, it just didn't happen. And go, go back to Stafford's rookie year. I mean, he had 39 touchdowns, I think, and maybe 5,000 yards, and he's not considered elite anymore. And I imagine he went a lot higher the year after. So, Listen, I bet Matt Stafford would love to go back to his rookie year, but unfortunately, he hasn't been able to do that. I think one of the reasons I'm a, a big fan of yours is the way that you drill into analysis, JJ. And so talk us through some of the unique areas that you, you go into. Um, I've got here for some examples, like the way you, you quantify touchdown reception, uh, regression, sorry, um, comparing the elite uh, production of wide receivers in the NFL compared to their college trends. And those are the sorts of things you touch upon on, on the podcast. So just talk us through sort of how you come up with these what you look for without obviously giving away all the all the secrets and the goodies yeah no I mean I I really just set out to to solve questions that I think other people would be asking right so instead of looking at uh you know individual player analysis stuff uh we, we have player analysis oriented things everywhere on the internet you can find sleeper articles everywhere uh you can find 
uh, any angle to any player that you can possibly imagine. So essentially what that tells us is that it's very hard to find a real edge in fantasy football strictly through choosing the right players. So what that means is you have to kind of take a step back and say, how do I win this league through strategy? How do I, how do I look at a bird's eye view and say, uh, and look at the big picture and say, how can I win this way? So I try to look at the big picture and be more process oriented with, with my approach. Um, so, you know, looking at trends like how to find breakout running backs or looking at more league wide trends in general to just see how, uh, the game of football and the game of fantasy football is moving. That's why I'll, I will look a lot at like ADP data because it's a way of, of seeing how the market is moving. Um, and then I, I do think that regression analysis in general is really important. It's an easy way to find an edge um, because people are usually using numbers from the previous season to create a story for the current season. Um, but that's usually a pretty terrible way of doing things. Um, you know, there's a lot of crazy, wacky things that can happen in, in, in a football season where, uh, you know, there are only so many plays in the game um, and there are only so many games in the season uh, to really, you know, something like um, like Mike Williams or Tyler Lockett last season and the number of touchdowns that they scored per target, those sorts of things, you know, people will take uh, their touchdown totals and say, oh, Mike Williams is going to easily score eight or nine touchdowns this year. He had 10 last year and he only had 66 targets. But really, that's, that's, that's not a sustainable way of thinking and a sustainable way of, uh, of projecting how a player is going to perform. So I think overall, I, I just think a competitive advantage that I have with analysis is that I'm, I'm fairly level-headed with how I view the player analysis side. Uh, like I said, you can, you, can, you can get any angle that you want to a particular player and how people are viewing players. So I don't, I don't try to overrate how I feel about a particular player. Um, so instead, I just kind of take a step back and try to ask questions and answer questions uh, of what this game looks like at a higher level. And that's why you're so good at what you do. It's it, it <laughs> why I listen to, to your podcast you know, twice a week and have done read your articles on number five, which I'll give you a chance to, to plug in a bit if uh, this wasn't a good enough plug. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think it's, it's refreshing because what you do differently is you don't focus so much in on the player and look at the overall. And I think that's key because it, it allows you to then make your player ana- analysis based on those trends. Um, as opposed to looking at the player trends that could skew your bias on reviewing the data. Right, exactly. Nice. I mean, so let's, draft was a few weeks ago now. Let's talk some rookies. Your rankings have just hit the internet. So would you like to break down your top 10 maybe for us and how you arrived at some of the rankings? Sure, yeah. I mean, this year is a lot different than any other year that I've been playing Dynasty. I, I just feel like there's not even close to a consensus top 10. Um, and it's fun that way. You know, you get you get a lot of uh, interesting takes and angles to, to uh, rank is you can kind of, you kind of see how analysts think about their rookie rankings a little bit more clearly. Um, so with mine, I have Nikhil Harry first. Uh, he was just dominant in college from a production standpoint. I'm very big into college production because it does translate well uh, to the pros. Uh, basically every elite player in the NFL was pretty dominant in college, which isn't that shocking, um, but it matters, you know, college production matters, especially a wide receiver. Uh, so I have Nikhil Harry first, which I can put him in the same tier as Josh Jacobs. I think either guy uh, could be could be the one one in rookie drafts. Uh, if you look at at first round rookie running backs, I know that Josh Jacobs didn't have the production in college because he split that backfield. But if you look at first round running backs over the last decade, basically all of them are success stories, except for a couple guys whose career and en- careers ended early due to injuries. So uh, Josh Jacobs is in is in good company and he should be strong. Um, I have Miles Sanders at three. 
Um, and the main reason for that is I think a lot of people are sort of saying that Doug Peterson uh, wants a split backfield because of how he's handled the Eagles over his first three years in Philadelphia. Um, but realistically, you know, they haven't had much health uh, or good health at the running back position while he's been there. The only two guys that have completed a full season at running back have been LeGarrette Blunt and Wendell Smallwood, and both of them aren't very strong running backs. I think that they, 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 they spent strong equity on Miles Sanders for a reason. Um, I think that they're going to they're gonna feature him more than, than folks do. Uh, at four, I have Mikul Hardman. Now, I didn't like Hardman that much entering uh, the draft because he, his, his production definitely wasn't there. Um, but, you know, this is a draft, again, I said it at the top, where uh, you don't have a consensus, you know, top four guys. You know, there's not an obvious person to place here. So I'm really just buying into the coach, you know, an offensive genius, Andy Reid. You have the best young quarterback in football. Um, and you have a player who is at least somewhat like the player they're hypothetically trying to replace in Tyreek Hill uh, with, with Mecole Hardman. Now, I'm not saying he is Tyreek Hill because that would be ludicrous because Tyreek Hill on a football field is very, very good. Um, but Mecole Hardman, very, very fast, uh, can, can separate with his speed. Um, and that's, that's a big reason to buy into him. Um, I have Paris Campbell at number five. Wasn't super, super into him uh, either entering. But again, good situation with Andrew Luck um, in, in that Colts offense. And then uh, at six, I have Andy Isabella, uh, which I'm probably higher than almost anyone. A lot of a lot of people, at least, a lot of analysts, at least, on Isabella. Um, he his his college market shares and production was out of control. Um, I understand that he played at, at UMass, so it's not like he played in the SEC. Uh, and he's a smaller guy, but I kind of comp him more to like a Brandon Cooks uh, with his speed, uh, his four three one speed. I think that he can get separation there. I think a lot of people have typecasted him as a slot guy. Um, but he can most certainly play on the outside. And then he has the draft equity above he, Hakeem Butler. I liked Hakeem Butler more going into the draft, but draft equity matters and draft capital matters. Uh, so Andy Isabella in the second round, greater than Hakeem Butler in the fourth, so I have Isabella there. David Montgomery in the seventh spot. I think there's some concerns over his receiving usage. DK Metcalf at eight. Uh, you know, he has a high ceiling. I do worry about his floor a little bit. Debo Samuel at nine. Uh, I think that he's just a very solid prospect. Uh, kind of has some golden tape to his game. And then Kyler Murray at number 10. You know, it depends on your needs at the position. I have J.J. Arcega-Whiteside at 11, so you could easily just put him ahead of Kyler Murray if you don't need a quarterback. Uh, but I think he's a, he's a safe option. And, and really, we could see a, a Baker Mayfield-type jump from an, from an ADP standpoint after his rookie season with Kyler Murray. I think in the air raid as well, Kyler Murray could go bananas, especially with the, the floor he offers you with his rushing capabilities. I think he could be a real steal if you managed to get him late. If, if Arizona take off, that is, who knows? Last season was a, was a dumpster fire, should we say, and it, it yeah. won't happen again. So I have yeah. to wait and see. No, I agree. And um brings me on nicely to our sort of next thought, which is, uh, you know, one of my favorite episodes of your podcast is the utilizing front office decision-making podcast we talk about for fantasy purposes. Um, so those of our listeners who haven't listened to you before, who have decided that they're going to go listen to you, um, I think it came out the 29th of April. So definitely go check it out. But based on the rookie draft and, and some of the things that we've looked at, are there any sort of future moves that people can be looking at and thinking about getting an edge for the fantasy season that our listeners can sort of jump on now? based on some of the decision-making of the front offices? Yeah, so, you know, that show, I do that each year. Well, it's the second year that I did it because I've only had the late-round podcast for two years now. But that that show, you know, I, I created that particular episode because I think that we often just look at the end result of the draft and say this is what 
these are the players that these teams picked and we don't really look at how those players were really acquired. So draft capital is important. Uh, Day two picks matter a lot more than guys who are being drafted in the fifth and the sixth round, for instance. Um, And there's data to back that up. I mean, it's crazy how many of the fantasy relevant players that we deal with and that we talk about uh, each year. It's crazy how many of those guys were drafted in the first, second and third rounds in the top 100, essentially. Um, so that's really important. So if you know if you if you see a guy like uh, that that you liked entering the draft who went undrafted, for instance, that's not a good sign. I know that sounds obvious, but a lot of people overlook that. Um, so it was very good for Damian Williams, for instance, that they didn't go out and draft a running back in the first three rounds. Um, and and really, you know, you can also get a lot out of what teams do from a from the standpoint of either trading up or trading. Well, I guess trading up is is a bigger deal. Um, a good example of this is is the Rams with Daryl Henderson. So it's like, yes, the Rams got a running back. We see that they got a running back. But what's even more important is they spent a day two pick on that running back and they traded up to get that running back. That tells you that they said, we really want this guy. This is the guy that we want. And then you have to ask yourself, why? Why, is, why, why are they trading up to get a running back that they specifically want? And you have to say, it probably has something to do with Todd Gurley's knee and his injury. Um, so I, I, you know, immediately when that happened, I know a lot of people had this take as well, but I was scared out of my mind. If, if you have Todd Gurley, uh, from a, from a fantasy on one of your dynasty teams or something, uh, you should be nervous because them actually making the move to trade up and get Daryl Henderson, uh, is a big deal. So, uh, th- those are sort of the, the moves that I, that I look at and look for, you know, I think another random example could be a Damian Harris uh, with with New England going after him and, and just you know reading between the lines of why are they getting a running back in the third round? Well, a lot of the value that we get in rookie drafts at running back comes in the second round, and it's it's usually that the hit rate of second round running backs, so second round ADP running backs who are drafted in the top 100, the hit rate of those guys is actually pretty insane. It's like a 50% hit rate. So if you're getting a guy like Damian Harris who doesn't have an immediate uh, you know, uh, immediately great outlook in his offense, uh, you're really buying into the fact that they spent good draft capital and they, they probably have some sort of plan. Devin Singletary is another example. I didn't like Devin Singletary at all coming out, but you can't ignore the fact that, that he was drafted where he was drafted. Um, and there is at least some movement in future years for him to, to have an opportunity. So those are, those are the types of moves that I really try to dig into when I look at the draft, not simply who did they pick at this spot. So based on that, JJ, I know we, we sort of went through the top 10 rankings of, of rookies, but if you are the Todd Gurley owner, would you advocate taking Daryl Henderson with your first round rookie draft pick this year as sort of an insurance policy to, to holding Gurley? Yeah, I don't think that's a terrible idea. Um, I think that you can easily make the case for Henderson at, just straight up as a late first round pick, um, just, just in general. Um, you know, I'd be hesitant to, to draft him, you know, obviously not ahead of like Nikhil Harry or, or Josh Jacobs, but there's, there's so much ambiguity and so many question marks with a lot of the other guys that are going in the first, you know, if you're going to get a running back, you should probably get a Miles Sanders or David Montgomery ahead of him. But if you really want to put him at the RB four spot in your rookie drafts, I have no problem with doing that. Just, just given what we saw the Rams do this off season. Yeah. You'd be assuming that the girly owner, unless they've had a mayor in every other position, would be picking in the final four to six picks of the yeah, yeah. of the rookie draft unless they've 
left Gurley on their benches <laughs> all season and aren't active, in which case they're probably not paying attention anyway. Well, that, that moves us quite nicely onto pre-season workouts. I suppose if Henderson's yeah. used a lot in pre-season workouts, then something is definitely up with Gurley and it should he probably should be drafted higher. Is there anything else you look for in pre-season workouts, JJ? You know, key things to look at possibly helping you in your drafts? Yeah, you know, I try to not put too much weight into into things like coach speak and what we uh, see from like a from like a highlight reel standpoint. I think the real thing that you can sort of look at and try to analyze is just who's getting first team reps and, and what the depth chart looks like. Um, that's that's pretty much the the angle that I go with uh, with with some of these uh, with, with with training camp and whatnot. No, that's fair. And in terms of through the season, then do you have any advice for our uh, listeners other than not listening to coach speak that they can keep a tab on through the season if you've got a couple of pointers just to give them that edge when it comes to waiver wires or priorities or just snagging players that might be undervalued yeah I think it you know I'll, I'll give three sort of data driven tips because that's that's what I do I'm kind of a robot but uh I, I think it's really important for people to look at not just targets and rushes and just raw volume but look at target share and rushing share. Um, so the percentage of targets that a player is getting and a percentage of rushes that he's seeing in his offense. And the main reason for that is because game to game, there's a lot of volatility with with how game scripts go. So if a team's trailing, then obviously they're going to throw a lot more than if a team's leading where they're going to run the ball a lot more. So if you can see what types of target share and rushing share these players are getting uh, throughout a season, then when you go to project what's going to happen in the, in the next week's game, then you can say, okay, they're, they're probably not going to pass as much because they might not be trailing like they did last week. But now based on that, I can sort of project what sort of, uh, what, what kind of target number this player is going to see or what kind of rushing number this, this player is going to see. So uh, keeping tabs on target share and rushing share is really important. At the same time, you know, to, the, to this point of game script, overall team tendencies is really important. Um, so instead of just looking at pass to rush attempt ratio overall, I tend to look at neutral game script uh, ratios, which is when the game is within six points. So if a team is uh, either trailing by six or leading by six or less, um, it just tells you more about what that team's philosophy is. So sometimes, you know, obviously a winning team that goes 12 and four, they're going to have a pretty low pass to rush attempt ratio versus the rest of the league because they're leading. And when you're leading, you're running the ball a lot. Um, but from the perspective of, of what they're doing when games are close, uh, it might look a little bit different uh, because the game is close and they're actually just running their their true offense. Um, and then the last thing is just nat- is just touchdown regression. Uh, I think people are scared off by the word regression sometimes, um, but really you can you can just look at a player's yardage total and divide it by the number of touchdowns that he's scored and see if that rate is a lot different than what the rest of the of the league is doing. If a player is catching a touchdown on every 30 receiving yards that he has, something's wrong and something's that that's not going to be sustainable across the season. So, that's a really really quick way of looking at touchdown regression. There are tons of resources out there for touchdown regression as well. Mike Clay from ESPN has his OTD metric which tells you how many touchdowns a player should have uh, and then you can compare that to how many he actually has. Um, so there's ways to to look at touchdown regression, but that's a, a really easy way to find an edge because a lot of people are just looking at how many fantasy points these guys scored instead of digging in and and finding out why i would say is there any other advice that you could give but if that's not enough advice i don't know what is (laughs) (laughs) i'd say just draft your quarterbacks late and then also focus on drafting players who are in what should be good offenses that's that's a very very important piece that the people tend to overlook you think, JJ, there's a possibility that Patrick Mahomes read your ebook and thought, 
I'm gonna try and prove this guy wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I mean, if he if he uh, ends up throwing another fifty touchdowns this year, then he will absolutely pay off at that ADP that he has. He needs to throw at least forty, though, doesn't he, to get even to break even? Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so. It's a good place, good place to to draw the line. Um, so, do you have other than what you've provided any sort of final pieces of advice that you can give our listeners to help them bring titles home this year if they were a bit barren last year? Yeah, you know, like I like I said, you just draft your quarterbacks late. Make sure that you focus on that, um, and then and then really, you know, I I did some analysis on uh, offenses that are good, and, and basically showed that uh, that fantasy players and assets that are in good offenses uh, really thrive. And this is such an obvious thing to to state, but it's okay to just fade a team and say I don't want anyone from Washington on my team this year because I'm not very confident as to what that offense is going to be. And you're playing probability and you're really uh, narrowing down your, your, your potential um, fantasy assets, especially in the later rounds. You know, differentiate in the, in the early rounds because those are all good players. But in the later rounds, it's okay to have heavy exposure on certain guys, especially if they're in great situations and obviously good situations uh, from an, an overall offensive standpoint. It's good to me. Definitely. JJ, why don't you um, tell everyone who perhaps aren't familiar with your work uh where they can find your articles your your amazing podcasts etc and uh where they can get some of the information that you've uh, you've outlined yeah well thanks for calling it amazing i appreciate that uh all my my content uh, is on numberfire.com uh but i do a podcast two podcasts one's called living the stream which is more in season it's just based on streaming recommendations for quarterback tight end and defense um but the late round podcast is sort of sort of my baby um, and it's, it's twice a week in the off season, three times a week in the season. Um, and it's really, you can find it anywhere podcasts can be found. So the late round podcast is what it's called. Perfect. All right, JJ, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. Maybe closer to fantasy draft season. I know you're a busy man, but you might want to hop back on and give us some more hot takes. How does that sound? Yeah, that sounds great. I appreciate you guys having me. Oh, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, pleasure's all ours, definitely. And like I said, really enjoy your content and, uh, now I'm not going to have so much of an edge because all of our listeners are going to go and listen to you and uh, steal some of the, the fascinating takes that you've uh, provided me in the last couple of years and helped me win some titles. So appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Right, Rush Nation. Murph, I'll see you on the other side. JJ will speak real soon. But till the next time, keep rushing. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.